Hey, little Bobby, what, what, what'd you do this weekend? I went to the store and I got a, uh-huh. I got a, a sucker. A suck, I got yeah. a sucker. That's cool. <laughs> I just realized I hadn't picked out a prize for the giveaway. So I ran over to the prize table. I was like, where'd he go? (laughs) What would you guys have done if I didn't come back? Oh, you didn't get to see the panic on my face where the counter's going three, two, and there's an empty chair where Will sits. I'm like, where did he go at the last second? Hey, welcome back to another episode of 1980s Now, a weekly examination of 1980s pop culture and its influence Mm -hmm. today. My name is Will. Joining me as always, as you can see there in front of me on the screen, my friends and co-hosts, Kat and John. Guys. Hello. How's it going? Good to see you. Yeah. And if you can't see them, you're going to have to join us uh, on some Wednesday evening at 7 p.m. Eastern mm-hmm. because we're streaming live right now on Facebook and YouTube. And uh, if you don't, if you look, if you want to see more of John, you could even visit him on YouTube and or Facebook and or any podcast app at uh, Gen X Grown Up where he uh, hosts his own uh, shows, weekly and daily mm-hmm. shows. I mean, it's just not shows, but, you know, content. Tons of mm-hmm. stuff. He just won't shut up. He's mm-hmm. constantly doing stuff. <laughs> yeah. And now in light of what we're going to talk about today, John, I, I wonder how what we do fits into that. So well, it's going to be a mm. interesting question. Yeah, that's interesting. Yeah. Anyway, mm. hey, this episode is brought to you once again by our friends, the amazing folks over at Kokomo Toys and Collectibles. Thanks to Kokomo, we're going to be giving away a pop culture collectible to somebody in the live audience. It's real easy to win too. So uh, join us for that as well. Okay. Hey, on today's mm-hmm. show, speaking of which- we're going to talk about what I got to tell you, I'm out of breath. The table is like, I knew it. Literally like it. five feet from the room. <laughs> I, I think I take it. a deep breath. Well, sometimes you get winded just moving your arms fast. So that sprint <laughs> across true. the room. I really been. <laughs> now I've been, I started exercising, I don't know, a week, two weeks ago too, to build up my huh? stamina so I could run oh. five feet and back without <laughs> being winded, but to no avail, to no avail. <laughs> well, you're going to have to run more than five feet. Well, <laughs> What are you doing? Two? No, Two feet? Well, yeah, I'm working up to it. Right, come on. Okay. All right. It's been a while. Uh, little Fair. by little. Fair. Yeah. Hey, on today's show, we're going to be talking about what passes for entertainment uh, in 2024 and whether it has any links to the media that we enjoyed in the 1980s. And I'm looking into uh, folks, uh, folks joining us uh, live here because we're going to certainly look forward to your input and feedback about that. Hey, before that, though, we're going to review current news stories related to 1980s media, including David Lee Roth prods Sammy Hagar. Oh, oh. That's an awesome tease. Uh, Salem Lot may never see the light of day. That's a, mm. that's a story about vampires. <laughs> and some third news item. But I want to surprise you guys and folks that are watching live. It's not, it's, not a, it's not a surprise news story so much as I'm sure you can anticipate what will happen. Maybe. Okay. I'm so curious. Anyway, time codes are in the show notes if you want to skip around. But don't skip right now because we're going to get right into 1980s news. Hey, as reported uh, this week, as reported by Consequence.net, per David Lee Roth, mm-hmm. Sammy Hagar was molested by aliens. <laughs> Can you feel the love between them? Uh. <laughs> Do you not recognize that song, Kat? Oh yeah, love comes walking in. Oh, okay, very good. Yeah. Well, you'll recall uh, the, that uh, the two former Van Halen frontmen, uh, mm-hmm. the tension between them rather rose uh, rather precipitously uh, <laughs> towards the end of last year, uh, when mm-hmm. Hagar seemed to invite Roth to perform with him, and then immediately rescinded that apparent offer <laughs> when Roth accepted. <laughs> we invite artists to come join us, yep. not you. <laughs> I don't know who I feel. I don't know if I have a dog in this fight or whatever the expression is, a horse in this race. I, I don't know that I care, but it's Ooh. it's it's just fascinating what two older men, I don't even say middle-aged men, because we're middle-aged. This and they're older yeah. than we are. Yeah. Well, yes. That otherwise have, you know, the world at their fingertips will choose to argue about via social media. You know? Maybe that's all they have to do. Look, if you have that much money and fame and just sitting around the house all day, Maybe all you have to do is pick fights with your nemeses. <laughs> yeah, it's possible. I mean, <laughs> they really Roth in the last few weeks. It's like he just discover, discovered uh, social media and has been posting weird videos of him in his studio, like dancing and 
singing. It's, it's bizarre, man. I don't know. I mean, weird, even for him, maybe. I don't know. Anyway, it seems like David Lee Roth's latest uh, post, however, is a response to this back and forth between the two of them. In a YouTube mm-hmm. video, R- R- Roth commented on Hagar's belief. <laughs> it's Hagar, right? It's Hagar. Uh-huh. Yeah. Okay. Hagar? Hagar's belief that aliens abducted him as a teenager. According to Roth, this explains Hagar's behavior later in life. Uh, Roth took the chance to, to uh, ding <laughs> Hagar for apparently trying to start a feud, saying, quote, I know when you're abducted by aliens, you get sex probed. All right, so he knows that. Roth says he knows that. <laughs> uh, That's a fact. We, yeah. We've all seen South Park. We yeah. know. <laughs> For the last 10 summers, I haven't had a single syllable uh, about Hagar. Not one. And in the face of a constant fart gas aimed in our direction here at the Mojo Dojo Diamond Dave Laboratories. And I think we've arrived at both the technical and medical answer that may explain some of Hagar's conduct and his constant view of diarrhea, vitriol in our direction. Sammy Hagar was abducted by aliens and it was sex probe. Now well, I should have done that the whole time. Remember that. Do over. That was very nice. That was very nice. Yeah, well done. Dave then likened uh, Hagar's purported incident with a piece of electronic gear common in the 1980s saying, quote, but what I do know with absolute accuracy, maybe he's not sure about the probing thing. I don't know. Is that if you take half a popsicle stick and you jam it into a cassette player, no matter how carefully you extract it, that tape player will never be the same again. <laughs> what the hell is he talking about? Oh, did you not get that metaphor? I think Kat got the metaphor, right? Uh, no. no. Uh, is that supposed to be the probe? Is yeah, that the I idea? think so, is that right? What we're saying? If, if and, someone gets a And Sammy is the cassette? Is that the idea? <laughs> yeah, the cassette tape player, yeah. Um, right. did you guys listen to the his all his ramblings like it was like 23 minutes of rambling? <laughs> no, he, I didn't sit there for 23 minutes. No. Oh. My, well, I wasn't sitting. I was walking around oh, okay. doing stuff, but- She was trying oh, to escape it. <laughs> Where's it coming from? Ow! It's <laughs> off the rails, completely off the rails. Yeah. And he's stoned the whole time. Oh, I, is that right? Uh, yeah. Oh, he, is that yeah, he's, yeah, he goes on and on about his uh, marijuana bill. Oh, okay. <laughs> this was, wow, drug fueled. Wow. <laughs> well, that solves it. Maybe he only goes on social media after <laughs> like that. <laughs> Yeah, that would explain why he's dancing around too and stuff, yeah. Oh, yes. Uh, at least part of what Roth suggests is true. And maybe you guys know this already. In a 2002 interview with Guitar World magazine, Hager said that he was a true believer of extraterrestrial life. As early as 1968, Hager claims that, quote, they used me in an experimental fashion. The easiest way to put it is they downloaded my brain information and I caught them doing it, unquote. <laughs> Okay. Uh, in a 2011 interview for his then new book, uh, Red, My Uncensored Life in Rock at mtvhive.com, Hager told the reporter that the passage in the book described as a dream in which he is contacted by aliens from outer space was in fact reality. So that pretty wow. much takes Diamond Dave off the hook. He's just saying what Hager's already said, really pretty much, right? Yeah, yeah. I guess maybe, well, uh, yeah. And maybe Hager, uh, or Hager would even agree with Roth that you're changed after that. In fact, mm-hmm. we have proof of that. Uh, because this reminds mm-hmm. us that in the band's 1986 concert video, Live mm-hmm. Without a Net, Hagar tells the crowd that the song Love Walks In is about aliens. Oh, that's ringing a bell in my head. Yeah. And all the, the first word in the song is contact. Yeah. There's uh, plenty of more obvious lyrics, including, and here's the chorus, right? Uh-huh. Love comes walking in. Some kind of alien mm-hmm. waits for the opening. The <laughs> Then simply pulls the string. So he might be providing okay. directions as how to probe even. That sounds like, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> it's got me thinking that. Uh, lately, wow. we know there's been an uptick in UFO sightings, right? Uh, in fact, I've got some statistics here. Uh, the, the, the biggest, I guess, study at the time done with regard to UFO sightings was uh, something called Project Blue Book. And we spoke to Jerome Clark a long time ago about, about Project Blue Book, but uh, between 1947 and 1969, the U.S. Air Force cataloged 12,618 sightings of UFOs as part of this, this study. Mm-hmm. And the, the end of the project in 69, when they concluded that most of the sightings could be explained away by something natural mm-hmm. or a hoax. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then fast forward that. to today, we know that, it, it, you know, in 2022, the Pentagon announced, you know, after this certain videos had been coming out and leaked yes. and otherwise, you know, published – Mm-hmm. That they formed a new or a new office called the All Domain Anomaly Resolution Office. What is that acronym? 
Arrow. Wow. Arrow. Oh, it's Arrow. Oh. Mm, to investigate nice. these, you know, claims in the same way that the Star Trek Blue Book did. Mm -hmm. uh, and then among those, they would include, quote, that uh, objects that might pose a threat to national security. Well, since then, uh, the office received approximately 800 reports of unidentified, unidentified objects to investigate huh. in uh, 2023, which was up from 650 from 2022. So if you average it out, it's up from that 20 year period in 60 in the, in the forties and sixties, but mm -hmm. not by much, mm -hmm. but yeah. <laughs> conversely, uh, there's been, we hear little about abductions anymore. Right. I mean, right. Yeah. In the 1980s, yeah. we had yeah. so much fear and media <laughs> that was, you know, <laughs> suggesting this, uh -huh. uh, and, and, but mm -hmm. lately, no, I, I don't, I'm not sure what could account for that except for maybe Advances in medicine and psychology? <laughs> I think it's just drones. Okay. The number of abductions have remained the same while the number of yeah. sightings have increased because of the increased number of uh, unmanned aerial vehicles that people mm -hmm. can go buy at Best Buy. Well, <laughs> well, what I would suggest though is that uh, abductions are down. And I can't, look, I have no, I can't find any reports on numbers of, of abductions, but I can mm -hmm. say this. If you Google abductions, the last ones you're going to see are from like the 80s, like 87, I think. You don't find any major reports of people claiming they have been abducted anymore. Yeah. That's too bad. <laughs> we, could, we got a lot to offload. <laughs> what's, what's wrong with us? Well, what's a, right. I mean, we were good enough to abduct and probe in the 80s and now, okay. you know, humans. They figured it out. They don't want to we've, probe anymore. No, We've no explored needle. their orifices. No needle. Yeah, now I picture, yeah, John with his ass hanging out. What's wrong with me? <laughs> hey, E.T. Why won't someone love me? On the back of his shirt, it says probe this with an arrow going down. Can you see the back of my shirt? How do you know that? Yeah. All right. Anyway, hey, all right. Hey, in other 1980s news, uh, as reported by Deadline and elsewhere, the fate of Salem's lot is in limbo. Mm. Now, you guys maybe mm. never, you know, are not familiar with the story necessarily, but I'm certainly have heard the title. It's one of those ones that you know I think we were aware of as kids, if only because there was an adaptation mm -hmm. of Salem's Lot in 1979, a TV miniseries. Mm -hmm. Okay. Mm -hmm. uh, yep. But the novel, for folks who don't know, was written in 1975 by, by master of horror stories, Stephen King. And it's mm -hmm. about a writer, like many of his stories, a writer that mm -hmm. returns to his hometown in Maine. Again, it's just a lot of his stuff, you know, is a little <laughs> skews close to home. Yep. And discovers that its residents are becoming vampires. Mm. Uh, it was first adapt adapted into the, the miniseries that I mentioned. And, and by, it was directed by Toby Hooper at the time, legendary director mm -hmm. Toby Hooper. And in 2014, T did their own adaptation with a new part miniseries starring Rob Lowe. Ah, Which okay. I, I don't have anything against Rob Lowe. I just, I don't know. It seems like a mismatch to me. Uh, Rob hmm. Lowe in horror. I think I'd be <laughs> distracted by his just awe-inspiring beauty. You know, not to really be scared of anything. <laughs> I'd be worried that he might damage that jawline if he gets yeah. oh. hit by a vampire. <laughs> or, or a vampire tries to bite him. He just crunches down on them. Just crunch it with his jaw. Yeah. Just ah. Crunch it down with the jaw. Yeah. Do we know that he looks handsome in this show? When doesn't he <laughs> look handsome? No, I don't know that anybody Come on. doesn't. Uh, he's never looked bad. Anyway, most recently, a new adaptation of the book went into development back in 2019. And it was shot in Massachusetts in 2021. It's in the can. In fact, a theatrical release of it was once planned for September of 2022. Mm -hmm. And then Warner Brothers... Mm. You're going to see where this mm. is frazzle, going. Frazzle, record, frazzle, mm. frazzle, 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 mm. frazzle. <laughs> Wait, is that a Warner Brothers character? It is. That's perfect. Mm. Yes. Uh, I'm working on it. See, uh, it's all about being prepared with the material. See? Yes. <laughs> I checked that off my list. Do Yosemite Sam noise right. at this point in the show. Got it? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. What, what do you got? Check that off. Oh, there you go. Cat's got it too. Okay. Yeah. okay, very good. So Warner Brothers pushed the film into spring of 2023 due to, quote, COVID-related delays in the post-production realm, end quote. It was then scheduled to be streaming only. So they weren't even going to put it in theaters and they were going to release it straight onto Mac their streaming service, claiming mm -hmm. that the, the the strikes that we had uh, last summer uh, forced them to come up with content from somewhere, and this film already was you know completed. Mm -hmm. Now the studio has uh, since removed the, the movie Salem's Lot entirely from its schedule. It just whew, vanished mm -hmm. like a vampire during the day. It's gone. Yes. <laughs> well, Stephen King is having none of it. 
we know he normally, you know, oftentimes doesn't like uh, adaptations of his own work. Famously, he's complained about ones that he doesn't care for. Yes, isn't that true? Right. Okay. But this time, he's now calling out Warner Brothers for not having released the film. Uh, he took to social media to share his thoughts that he had seen the film and he's pleased with it. He said, quote, mm-hmm. yeah. between you and me, I've seen the new Salem's Lot and it's quite good. Uh, old school horror filmmaking, slow build, big payoff. Not sure why Warner Brothers is holding back. Not like it's embarrassing or anything. Who knows? I just write the fucking things. This is more <laughs> Warner Brothers being Warner Brothers. Looking it for tax like write-offs probably. They, no. it, like if you do it once, maybe. You do it twice, dubious. But here's a third one and it's like, really? Right. Really? Wow. Bad girl? Then Acme, then this. I mean, that's that's a pattern of activity. I submit to the jury. That's Mm -hmm. pattern and practice. That's right. Yeah, very good legal jargon there. Yeah, Mm -hmm. yeah. And if you need any other assurances that the delay is not related, not likely related to the quality of the film, in addition to Stephen King's compliments, the movie was directed by Gary Doberman, who wrote Warner Brothers' recent It adaptations, which were fantastic. Wonderful. And he also wrote several several of the Annabelle films and even directed Annabelle Comes Home. So this guy's got, you know, bona fides, as they say. Mm, my favorite Annabelle film. The other ones are kind of, eh. but the right? Comes Home yeah. is actually the best one of them. Yeah. Like I've only seen the first one. Okay. Put it on your list, Kat. It's worth I seeing. Should? Annabelle Comes oh. Home on the list. Yeah. yeah. All right. And anyway, so as John mentions, alluded to, you know, this isn't the first time they did it. And just to update folks. We did talk about the potential future for Coyote versus Acme, which looks like it was going to be rescued from the dustbin. But it turns out that that live action animation hybrid that was to star Will Forte and John Cena and others mm-hmm. and the Looney Tunes gang, uh, you know, in cartoon form, mm-hmm. uh, which had been earmarked for demolition uh, last year, but that only to be rescued due to uh, outrage by by filmmakers mm-hmm. who had seen it, said, said they were going to let the filmmakers shop it around. Uh, well, mm-hmm. it turns out they may not have been entirely sincere about that prospect because according to several people familiar with the situation, Netflix, Amazon, and Paramount have all screened it and liked it. And mm-hmm. in fact, they submitted what were considered handsome offers uh, to take over the project. Paramount even proposed uh, releasing it in theaters as part of their acquisition. But Warner Brothers, mm-hmm. which stood to make or stands to make still 35 to $40 million, just writing it off for tax purposes, wanted Ooh. something in the port- ballpark of 75 to $80 million. Jeez. But they didn't tell anybody that. And instead what they uh. did was, and, and, and from Warner Brothers perspective, it was a take it or leave it number. If you didn't hit 75 or 80, they weren't going to accept it. But they didn't so tell you didn't any- know the number. Right. <laughs> oh my gosh. <laughs> yeah, no. What? Or, or if they did. In the dark, good luck. If they, if they did, the offers they made, which I think re- I read were like 35 or f- was around the write-off amount, 35, 40. Oh. That uh, Warner brought, they thought they were making a counter offer, if not an initial offer, and thought, we, you know, like always, we're just going to be a dialogue. Only to find mm-hmm. out that they were like, nah, done. So they could have stood to make more than the write-off amount if that was the offered amount. Yeah. And then, yeah, like Warner Brothers could come back with a, uh-huh, a really high number and then they meet in the middle. Oh my gosh. Yeah. <laughs> what sense does that make? Just, I don't it doesn't understand make any that. sense. Yeah. I'm mean, certainly there must be some financial reason that holding it is somehow more beneficial to them. The numbers say sell it. Let the art mm-hmm. out, but Yeah. Let the art out. That movie. Is what yeah. occurred. Yeah, that's what I was thinking. Yeah. Well, I'm reading about this. It's like, what? <laughs> this yeah. is made. This, it, it seems really unfair to just yeah. not somehow be able to give it to the world. Oh my gosh. And if you really want to get pissed off, what makes the situation even oh, worse is that <laughs> according to a source close to the project, the four Warner Brothers executives responsible for making this decision haven't seen the finished film. Oh my God. And the CEO oh, yes. president, right. David uh, Zaslov, hasn't seen any of it at all. Nothing. Sons of bitches. Wow. <laughs> Wow. <laughs> anyway, per per uh, mm-hmm. per Toon Hive, uh, the most recent uncertainty regarding the film prompted a response from Looney Tunes franchise actor Eric Bauza, who voiced Wiley Coyote and other characters in the film. This guy does most of Warner Brothers characters today. Oh. And he is amazing. Yeah. Uh, anyway, before awarding a prize at this year's Annie Awards, which are uh, an award uh, given to for in connection with animation, Mm-hmm. Uh, Bowser, or more properly Bugs, and Daffy 
sought to <laughs> rally support for the film uh, after Bugs uh, <laughs> pointed out that Daffy was having a bad year because he lost the read, lead role in The Boy and the Heron, which is a boy and a bird animated feature. <laughs> oh. Was cut from oh. Migration, which is uh, about ducks. <laughs> oh my God. The duck line. Oh, And was yeah. also dumped by Taylor Swift for Travis Kelsey. Uh, Daffy had this to say. Those first two hurt, Rabbit, but we all know that third one was a CIA plot. <laughs> it could have been wise, Daffy. We, we could be Wiley Coyote right now. I hate to be political, but release Coyote versus Acme! (laughs) (laughs) Oh, my gosh. And, uh, now that that's over, and by that I mean my career, let's give out some awards for real. Yeah. (laughs) You heard the crowd groan when he said that, right? Oh, mm -hmm. (laughs) crap. Just, I'm poised to like that movie like I like Roger Rabbit from the things that I've seen. Yeah. And I'm just afraid I'm never going to, look, we'll see it eventually. I mean, even that old 80s Fantastic Four movie finally leaked somewhere. We'll see it eventually. But it needs a proper release. You know, it needs to be, yeah, frustrating. uh, I forgot to check in on comments from our folks here live stream. Let's see if any of any folks with regard to any of our news stories so far. And then we've got one more here. Uh, let's see. Retro Day says, what you don't know is that Dave is actually the alien. <laughs> <laughs> oh. Uh-oh. Yeah, that, yeah. Mm. I'm doing the probing. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> Let me get in there. Wow. You. <laughs> you didn't know I'm the popsicle stick. <laughs> You're kind of sounding. You were sounding a little Bobcat Goldthwait there. You went back to Dave now. That's, yeah, they got a similar energy when, when Bobcat. They did. Well, da- David Lee Roth is just a a more coherent Bobcat Goldthwait when you're doing an impression. Oh, more coherent. Oh, wow! I, I, I never thought of it. Mm-hmm. Well, I, I'm more intelligible is what I guess I'll say. More ah, intelligible, okay. less go. gravel mm-hmm. in it. Yeah. Oh yes. Mm-hmm. Uh, Miss So says the aliens use Uber and Lyft now, so need, no need to abduct anyone. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> nice. <laughs> Lyft. I like the Lyft. Yeah. Oh, Lyft. nice. Yes. <laughs> Karen says, what about uh, Kate McKinnon's SNL character? Oh my gosh, that's so hilarious. If you don't know what she's talking about, she does a character who claims she was abducted by aliens. Oh, And they've done the craziest stuff to her. (laughs) It's usually a panel of multiple people. And the first goes, well, they did this to me. The second one goes, well, they did this to me. She's like, you guys had it easy. (laughs) You're never going to believe what they did to me. And what she says is hilarious. Awesome. Uh, oh, did I misspeak? Speak? Uh, Crazy Wonder says Rob Lowe's Salem a lot was in 2004, not 2014. Okay, my bad. Oh, uh, there's a four in there. That's good. Yeah, maybe not. <laughs> yeah, let's see. Any comments with regard to what did we just talk about? Oh, uh, Salem's Lot. Uh, Brandon yeah. says mm-hmm. if Stephen King puts his approval on a vision of his own work, just put the damn thing out there. Here, here, Brandon. Yeah. All right. Hey, finally, uh, as it, our final news story. Uh, as reported by uh, Deadline, oh, uh, oh Star Wars abandoned draft script sells at auction. Oh boy! See where this is going. This is the surprise. Hey, Harrison <laughs> Ford left something uh, behind, something more than his toothbrush when he departed a, a London rental back in 1976. The people who <gasps> owned a home that he rented found a script. No way. Dated March mm-hmm. 15, 1976, entitled. The Adventures of Luke Starkiller. Oh, that's super early. <laughs> yeah, yes. right? That's early yes. draft. Turns out it's the fourth fourth draft of the screenplay that became Star Wars uh, Episode Four: A New Hope. Wow. Uh, it was unbound and incomplete and included uh, such memorable scenes as the introduction of uh, Chewbacca in a tavern. Ah. Oh. Uh, it turns out that Ford had rented the upper two levels of this home in the Notting Hill uh, area there in London mm-hmm. while working on the first Star Wars film. Mm-hmm. The owners, meanwhile, lived on the lower levels, although they claimed they 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 had never heard of Ford or his co-stars, Carrie Fisher and Mark Hamill, who would visit time to time, hmm. which makes mm-hmm. sense. I mean, yeah. I'm not trying to think how you would know them otherwise by right. then. Unless he'd done some carpentry yeah. work for one of them. Otherwise, <laughs> no, exactly. no big reason. Uh, according to Sarah Terode, Terode uh, the co-owner of Excalibur Auctions, uh, it's got his DNA on it. Oh. <laughs> Where'd you find it? They want a wonder. <laughs> looks like it slid down behind the commode talk about a probe you really love that script they want a wonder uh anyway um she really did say that but anyway the script was it wasn't always unbound 
Oh. <laughs> it, <laughs> the script was sold to an Australian, no, to an Austrian collector during a live streamed auction on February 17th. So you oh. know what that is, means. Once again, it's time to play. Uh-oh. In Philadelphia, it's worth 50 bucks. All right, everybody can play, including you, you folks in the stream. We're going to guess how much the final, the ultimate, the selling bid was for this fourth mm. draft of the film that became Star Wars Episode Four: A New Hope. I'm going to oh, give you some, some you know, help here a little bit. Uh, okay. Don't blame me okay. if this isn't helpful, but I did do some research to see what scripts have sold for in the past. Okay. And these are the okay. closest ones I could find. Mm-hmm. Uh, Carrie Fisher's heavily annotated, and this is how it's described by the auction auction house, mm-hmm. leather-bound fifth draft script for The Empire Strikes Back sold mm-hmm. for $62,500 in 2021. Mm-hmm. Uh, Fisher died in 2016. I'm not sure if that had any bearing on it. Mm-hmm. Uh, okay. And then more, more currently, because uh, that was a couple of years ago, Anthony Daniels' personal hand annotated fourth draft script for A New Hopes. So this is a little more on the nose here. Mm-hmm. Uh, which will be up for uh, will will be up for auction starting March first uh, for an auction oh. that will run through March twelfth. So you still have your chance to bid on it. Ooh. They're estimating that it will fetch somewhere between ten and twenty thousand dollars. Huh. Okay. How much do you think this mm-hmm. script sold for, folks in the chat? You can guess as well. No cheating. No cheating. Come on. Come on, have some dignity. Can I vote that cat goes first? Because yeah. I always <laughs> go first, and the cat lowballs me. She yes, one dollar. Right, the one dollar thing. Yeah. I don't. Well, didn't I last time I bid higher and it wasn't high enough? And you won. Yeah, you, yeah I know. <laughs> you kind of riff off of what I did. Yeah, no, you're just smarter than me. I know why. You it's have a, wonderful logic that I use uh, to my advantage. That's wrong every time. <laughs> <laughs> I've done all the scientific calculations and figure it out on your own. Let John leverage your logic. Or then hear him explain why you're wrong. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I'm not sure you're going to get a whole lot of logic here. It's going to be more gut. But I feel like hmm, because this is, it feels kind of rare, kind of unique. And I think it's going to go higher than Carrie Fisher's Mm. amount there. And with the DNA. They want to want I'm going to say $80,000. <laughs> is there a little circle where the DNA is? Here's the stain right there. If you're wondering. All right, John, what do you think? Okay. I think that's high. Okay. And the reason I think it's high is because of all the things, it's an earlier script, which adds to the rarity. So it's a little mm-hmm. harder to come by, but you said it's incomplete. You said it's unbound. Mm. I'm going to go like 31.5. 31.5 is my number. All okay. right, very good. Let's see if any folks mm-hmm. have tried to take a guess. Some folks, oh, people are cowards. You guys are cowards. Brandon's well, can the only we look now to see what they said? Yeah. Before you tell us the answer, yeah, I'm gonna... I posit, Kat, that Will mm-hmm. was setting us up to make us lowball by giving us other numbers, and it's probably crazy high. That's my estimation. <laughs> well, <laughs> okay. I mean, I gave you a range. Because he says, well, just, just for reference, here's yeah. like 20, 30, 40, <laughs> just, you know. Five dollars. <laughs> <laughs> knowing that it would influence our bids. So that's okay. Uh, <laughs> you need a little influence. <laughs> and folks are not willing to guess. Uh, Brandon is willing to guess. However, he he says he's going to guess 30 grand. So he's right along there with you, John. He $1 right, so, me. Yeah. The, <laughs> <laughs> the inverse $1 you. Uh, he hey, did, the yeah. the uh, correct amount is $13,600. Oh, wow. So you guys are both wrong. <laughs> we all went over. Yeah. We all went over. I honestly thought that was a steal. Mm. I think there's something more quaint about it being partial even. Right. It's just, and Mm. it's, it's such a quirky little, um, like they found it. He, oops, oops. He left it behind. That's kind of a cool backstory. (laughs) Yeah. There's a provenance to it. That's interesting, but yeah. Again, for the reasons I said, what I, I, because I, I was queued up for like, oh, a million dollars. And I heard the others. And then I'm mm-hmm. like, then the, the things you said, the fact that it was, you know, not complete and all that. So mm-hmm. even cheaper yeah. than I thought. That was a bargain. Yeah. And that was lower than the Anthony Daniels script, right? Oh, by far. Yeah. Well, at yeah, least yeah, the estimated value. Now, I believe, I believe, yeah. and I don't, I meant to have to write this down. I didn't. I believe the Carrie Fisher uh, script, the, the final bid w- exceeded what they estimated to. I believe it was expected to go for something like thirty to 50000 Okay. Uh, and it went for wow. 62.5. So yeah. It's, yeah. You know, it's likely or possible, certainly, Anthony's may go higher than 20. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But uh, the fact that that one for 13.5, it's probably probably going to be between 10 and 20, I would guess. I don't know. Who knows? You never wow. know how these things. I want to know the backstory. Like, why did these, yeah. why are these people selling it now? Right. Why <laughs> we haven't heard about it? Even if, 
they didn't want to sell it. You would think this would have been a news item several years ago. Oh, did, did I miss it? I was under the impression that no. it was just found. It's been found for some time and they just exposed it. I thought they, oh. someone just found it in the house. Uh, the, when I read it, it seemed like, oh, no. it didn't seem like they had just found it. No, okay. it seemed like okay. they've had okay. it, but I, I don't know. You're yeah. right. Maybe it's just not clear enough. But. I'm just trying to figure out how to work in Han shot first. I think you already did. <laughs> I think he did. They were no longer. Oh. <laughs> All right. Hey, you can't beat that. That oh. was 1980s. <laughs> Hey, our independent podcast is brought to you every week by folks just like you. So if you'd like to help us out, please follow us on the podcast platform you're listening to right now. Subscribe to our YouTube channel. Share an episode on Facebook. All of these actions just take a moment and are 100% free. But if you'd like to chuck in a buck and help us keep publishing the show week after week, please visit us at 1980snow.com slash support to find out how you can send us a dollar or two. And thank you so much. It means a lot. I really wish I had consulted with you guys before I decided what to give away tonight or consult with the audience because we have this whole table full of stuff to give away. It's just like let people decide at this point. Maybe you should just put a camera over the top so you can see everything and pick it out, right? (laughs) It's it's like classic Wheel of Fortune. You can give away points and then now let's go to a shopping spree. And the camera just keeps panning. All right. right. I'll take the Deadpool pop vinyl for 3,000. I'll take (laughs) Yeah. Right, well, and the rest of the gift certificate. Yeah. <laughs> and, and, and I'm tr- I'm debating whether or not to start giving away stuff I have here that I just, I don't know, I got enough stuff here. Including, <laughs> as I mentioned last week, or I teased, I don't know if it went in the show or not, but I said it to you folks on the live. John Snyder's autographed uh, DVD, uh, Christmas mm. Cars movie. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> so, it's so bad. Uh, which we were going to give away when he was going to be on our show a couple of years ago. Right. And also I have a copy of his book uh, also was in connection with that show, which I read. So it's a used book. I don't know. Would anybody want that? I'd give that away. I'll just give it to someone if they want it too. <laughs> Get rid of this thing. <laughs> well, anyway, speaking of vinyl, uh, what did you say? What was the vinyl pop you teased, John? Oh, I said uh, some Deadpool pop vinyl. Yeah, yeah that's right. Oh. Okay. So that's what we're giving away tonight, courtesy of Kokomo Toys and Collectibles. It is the large size. Ooh. Oh my goodness. Uh, Daredevil. Oh, it is a Deadpool. I called yeah. it. It is a large wow. size Deadpool. Uh, it's number 543. It is gigantic. It's apparently was only available at Walmart. Uh, this is uh, worth something. Wow. So uh, hopefully it goes to a good home that uh, likes Deadpool. I hope so too. Yeah. Any Deadpool lovers in, the, in our eyeballs? Yeah. <laughs> all right. Brandon says he loves some Deadpool. So maybe you can win. Oh, all right. Go all right. So, and I mentioned that's courtesy of Kokomo toys and collectibles, our friends over there in Kokomo, Indiana, but you can get what you want to get any collectible that they have tons uh, over at Kokomo mm-hmm. You can find that out. All right, cool. Hey, so like I mentioned, I want to talk to you guys about the state of media today. And we teased mm-hmm. it a little bit when we we're talking about this Warner brothers, uh, uh, you know, the Warner brothers, I want to say business practice now, business policy where they've figured out maybe they can make more money creating things and never releasing them. It's so than weird. Actually release. I, I don't know. It's, anyway, uh, but it's consistent what, with just, what I Whatever makes you money. You know, yeah. Stupid. Yes. So uh, mm. uh, look, I, this was inspired by this brilliant piece, I think, of re- observations made by this gentleman named Ted Joya over mm. on honest-broker.com. Uh, mm-hmm. He's got a, you know, he, what is it called? A Substack or something, you know, where you write. Maybe that's, maybe Substack is a brand. Is that a brand, John, Substack? Do you know? I don't know what that is. Okay. So no. he's got a blog, Mm-mm. let's say. So over there oh, on honest-broker.com, he writes a lot of smart things about various, a lot of them is pop culture related, which is how I found him. Mm-hmm. But uh, anyway, mm-hmm. this is that piece is from over there called The State of the Culture 2024. Mm-hmm. And he, what he talks about is, and I'll provide you some of the information from there. So it's just so we can as a talking point, because I don't know what the solution is. I just have more questions than anything. And I'm curious what all of you folks listening think, but mm-hmm. uh, he writes that until recently, the entertainment industry has been on a growth tear so much so that anything artsy or indie or alternative got squeezed as collateral damage. But mm-hmm. he believes we're in a post entertainment culture. Mm. Um, one that, mm-hmm. you know, it doesn't value creativity or, or certainly the arts anymore. Mm-hmm. It doesn't create, it doesn't produce content that's going to be helpful to society at all. Mm. Part of it, part of how he, you know, posits this or gets this is that he says, well, take a look at where entertainment companies are right now. 
The movie business, like we just talked about, Warner Brothers actually makes more money canceling movies. Than releasing mm-hmm. them. Paramount <laughs> yeah. just axed 800 employees and is looking for a new owner. Universal's now releasing movies to streaming just three weeks after they're in, a, in the theater. Mm-hmm. Uh, after years of growth, TV number of TV uh, scripted TV series is shrinking. Uh, mm-hmm. In 2024, dead musicians are worth more than live ones, mm. as referring to mm-hmm. catalogs okay. itself for money that music companies wouldn't otherwise invest on some new mm-hmm. up and coming artist on development. It's right. just, you know, you're shaking yeah. your head, John. I uh, just, I didn't quite understand that. Now she's saying the value of the catalog, which I, I get, but yeah. We, we, we could debate that one, but I think that one might be, of the, all of you list, that was the one that's probably the most expected because those yeah, are yeah. proven catalogs as opposed yeah. to someone yeah. who you don't invest right. as much. So. But I think, mm-hmm. yeah, and I, don't, I guess we don't know. I don't know because I wasn't prepared to make this point or talk about this, but whether or not, to what extent uh, music companies invested in catalogs at all. Uh, and if mm-hmm. they did, to what portion of that was their budget? Because now, and we've talked about this before, I think when we talked about I can't remember what it was. Maybe uh, One Hit Wonders in today. I don't remember. It was a while ago. But the mm-hmm. idea that music companies are not investing in developing artists. Mm-hmm. Right. They don't spend mm-hmm. money doing that anymore. You get one song, it's on TikTok, and that's it. We're done. You know, you, you <laughs> yeah. do it, And you do it on your own in your bedroom. Anyway. Right. Yeah. Um, but so even though we have these signs of entertainment, you know, at least the entertainment produced by these normal tradition, traditional, the traditional types of media that we're used to shrinking based on these examples that I gave you. Yeah. Our appetite for entertainment is not shrinking. We're, right. you know, more voracious than ever. Uh, so I- instead of them producing more, you know, media that we would expect to fill this void, uh, there's something else that's taking up the space that's in this vacuum cr- created by traditional media. Huh. Mm-hmm. The fastest growing sector of this economy, this, this, this new, you know, sort of evolving uh, post-entertainment culture economy is what Joya calls distraction. <laughs> it's basically the scrolling that's encouraged yep. by TikTok. Sure. And now the other platforms yeah. that are following TikTok's lead, you know, Facebook mm-hmm. has reels, Instagram yeah, has yeah. reels, YouTube has yeah. whatever mm-hmm. they call it. Mm-hmm. Uh, Twitter's yep. got some shorts. 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 The key, according to Joya, <laughs> is that each of these stimulus lasts only a few seconds mm-hmm. and the power of the form of this media is not the quality of the content Mm-mm. it's body <laughs> chemistry mm. <laughs> that our brain rewards us for these for brief bursts of distractions by mm-hmm. releasing dopamine mm-hmm. which mm-hmm. makes us feel good of course and so we uh-huh. repeat the stimulus mm-hmm. which is going on to the next one and the next one i don't know about you guys but i'll be perfectly honest i'm better about it lately yeah. When I first got on TikTok, 45 minutes would go by and I'd wake up from like a stupor, <laughs> like oh a no. hypnagogic state. Oh like what no. I, and I literally, this is the thought that gets me, you know, off the couch and off my phone. What yeah. do you have to show for it? The 45 minutes you just invested. And I have, there's nothing, there's nothing, nothing. around. Nothing. I couldn't repeat to you anything I learned. Certainly. No. So, so do you think, did you tear to like 90 reels or were you watching the same three on repeat over <laughs> and over? Oh. And it was over. when I was still getting those thirst traps, John, that we talked about. Mm. Yes. Oh, those ones you have to pause. <laughs> yes. At the moment. I almost oh, saw it. To see nothing. I don't even know what it is. Well, yeah. I could just go watch porn. I mean, it's kind of ridiculous. <laughs> anyway, unfortunately. It's long form porn and you have to fast forward. I want it's a real irritation. Porn. Short Short porn. Short porn? That might be a thing. That's probably the next thing. Let's not give anybody any ideas. We're trying to get pull out of this nosedive, people. Wait, okay. Let me write this down. Short No, John, porn. don't. Throw All that right. paper away with the uh, Yosemite Sam. I'm going to go register shortporn.com. I'll be right back. You don't want another cease and desist letter. What <laughs> is plenty? Anyway, this unfortunately, this idea, this cycle of getting dopamine and repeat is the model for addiction. You know, just general... Addiction, mm-hmm. getting addicted to anything, yeah. yeah, which, as Joya describes, is a feature of this content, not a bug. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, oh, yeah. He suggests that creating addicts and not art is the goal <laughs> of our so-called entertainment companies. And I, mm. I would say that's probably always been the goal, right? We talk about eyeballs, sure. right? Yeah. Eyeballs. John comes from yeah. TV, eyeballs. And that's right. it's just that- <laughs> just like with everything else, it become more efficient at getting and maintaining those eyeballs. Right. 
Anyway, while it's certainly important to get pleasure, you know, in your day-to-day lives, uh, and certainly, look, I don't deprive myself from this. I get a little, now I do it in little bursts. Sorry, I got 10 minutes. I, you know, checked out for, mm-hmm. got some my my fix. Yeah. But as you're probably aware, this cycle of, you know, dopamine, dopamine repeat, just like addictions to any type of drug mm-hmm. has consequences. In the very least, the enjoyment we get from this distraction uh, will wane. Mm-hmm. And you've heard this, you know, before, whether on a TV show, an after school special or something, that eventually you need your fix just to feel normal. Right. Yeah. It doesn't give you pleasure. It's just that when you don't have it, you feel depressed or down. Yeah. And it turns out that that phenomenon, which is referred to as anhedonia, I hope I'm saying that right. Someone will correct me. Ooh. Anhedonia. Yeah, anhedonia is a major part or a major factor of depression. So mm-hmm. we're starting to see now folks mm-hmm. who are depressed, but don't have any other, you know, normal or not normal, I guess isn't the right word, usual or expected types of, you know, uh, what would you say, cat? I don't know, uh, symptoms. Like an analog, an analog method of getting that Mm. dopamine hit, right? (laughs) You're recovery and they go into a clinic and go, let me get just one reel, you know, just to hold Mm -hmm. me over. I guess what Mm -hmm. I was- Yeah, and you're coming Mm -hmm. down off of it. I can- Look, I guess what I was thinking is, you know, these- there's often other indicators why someone might be feeling depressed and they're not necessarily external. We know that I'm a big, big advocate for mental Absolutely. health and taking care of yourself, mm-hmm. but that folks could have none of those things. Right. Let yeah. Me really get into what's going on with you. Oh, you're on TikTok eight hours a day. <laughs> That's why you're depressed. Exactly. We're starting yeah. to see that now anyway, but even though these big companies that we're talking about that are creating these, you know, this technology and or leveraging this technology, they know mm-hmm. this. Oh yeah. They've oh, been yeah. warned no, no. and they don't care mm-hmm. because it's become a more efficient way for them to make money. And so instead of, you know, getting movies, you know, <laughs> they're, they're writing those off. Warner Brothers model <laughs> might be just be getting rid of making movies altogether. We just got to shelve the last ones fuse we have. Right. Mm-hmm. And then we're just going to make 15 <laughs> second videos. <laughs> anyway, instead of movies, we get these little video clips instead of, you know, long form music. You hear these little TikTok things that might, might, there's some songs my daughter only knows because it's a little slice of a song on TikTok. Oh yeah. my gosh. Right. Yeah. 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 There, there are a few yeah. like that. I mean, yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, before we got into the whole, the whole quick fix dopamine TikTok thing, I mean, yeah. my, my old man screaming, get off the lawn initially was thinking, there are these cycles and I'm sure people in the forties were like, man, they're killing vaudeville with all these damn movies. <laughs> I, you know, right, and then the talkies right. came. Right. Things, things do come along. Yes. Yeah. And each of them seems to be a, an evolution that's brought about by the progression of technology. Mm-hmm. This, however, mm-hmm. is not a progression of technology beyond what we had for film and television or whatever. This is just another way to consume it that is exploiting the human nature, the quick hit, the, 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 the give me the next, the next reel, the next, you know, little, little bit. Mm-hmm. I, I guess now that I have been all the way through your, your, your posit of what the problem is, this wasn't precipitated by a technological change. This mm-hmm. was a, this was a way that companies found to exploit the existing technology in a way that, Easier to make, easier to exploit, and led to addictive behavior. And isn't it about access? Uh, you know, I have the computer in my pocket all the mm-hmm. time. And, and yeah. so much of the content that we're, can be viewed in these little bits, it's created by so many people. And it's so different from a film, you know, which has so many people involved in the making of it, but it's a team. Mm-hmm. And they're all working really hard for a long time for one big sustained final project. And, but, but that, you know, <laughs> all, all the reels or the whatever it's uh, it, it, anybody could do it. Right. And everybody can. And, and I tell you, Kat, as a data yeah. point to support your supposition, mm-hmm. what aspect ratio are these quick hit pieces of content? Mm-hmm. They're the shape of your phone. They're not the yes. shape of your television. Yeah. Exactly. Right. Yeah. They know that you're consuming it on the yeah. instant access in my pocket. I have three seconds waiting for a cab. I'm going to, yeah. right. Yeah. Where you might not get involved in a film or a television show. They know that you have time to see 10 reels while you're waiting on the bus, you know, and you're going to view it on that box in your pocket that is vertical. That's why they're formatted that way. Yeah. I have something I wanted to say about the addiction thing. Um, before the pandemic, I would check Facebook when I would get a nudge 
to, like from my email, mm-hmm. like, hey, mm-hmm. <laughs> or on my birthday. <laughs> but then um, when I suddenly had extra time on my hands, I, and I wanted to feel connected to the people. And I suddenly was using Facebook a lot, just on there, just seeing what people were doing. And I didn't really post that much myself, but I would comment on things, on pe- things people posted. Right. And mm-hmm. I loved, I didn't realize it right away, but all of a sudden I was loving seeing notifications. Like, and, and mm-hmm. then I'd see the list Ding. and I'd be like, oh, who responded to me that way? Who liked my comment? Or, oh, what? And right. it- yes became, I realized, oh my gosh, I am addicted to this <laughs> because it, it would, like, I wasn't thinking about it in terms of dopamine, mm-hmm. but certainly that's what was happening. And, um, there's a little yeah, tiny there's... burst of validation, right? Oh, somebody yes. liked it. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. So I, yeah, I get it. <laughs> yeah. Karen yeah. says there's no patience. Anytime right. something new starts to build, it gets torn down. I fell in love with Rainbow High last year. I don't know what that is. They were introduced in 2020, but I was a late adopter. Uh, Miss So says, same, Will. I got really addicted to Instagram to the point yeah. where after months, I had to delete it. I'm spending hours yeah. on there every day. Yeah. So no TikTok or Facebook, et cetera, for me anymore. I guess I don't have the luxury of disconnecting from social because mm. my job effectively right. is I need to manage social. But even mm-hmm. before that, I see people saying I'm taking a vacation from social or yeah. I'm yeah. not going to, I'm not going to use TikTok anymore. That is an mm-hmm. alien concept to me. I'm not going to yeah. deprive myself of this thing. I don't think I'm addicted, but even if I am, I'm not going to turn it off because right. it's sounds like addiction, John. <laughs> <laughs> I could quit anytime I want. <laughs> it it never occurred addict. to me to delete something or turn it off or whatever. Maybe, yeah. I don't know. Maybe someone external yeah. would have to tell me, dude, you're really addicted to that because I don't believe I am. Maybe other people are just more self-aware and they see themselves spiraling and they go, yeah, I'm stepping back. Uh, I just, I don't have that kind of self-discipline maybe. Well, I was actually going to say not exactly the opposite, but you, you have great self-awareness, John. And I feel like maybe you just always are able to monitor yourself and not have it. I'd like to think that's true. I don't spiral into a problem. I'm not the one that could say it though. So thanks for that. And you're so productive, John. I think you're probably fine. I think so. Uh, Otherwise, didn't say we haven't heard from him for three days. Oh, he's in these, he's out (laughs) TikToking. We hear from you every day, John, every day. You're fine. Uh, He's he's putting DNA on a script. They were no wonder. Do we have a guest? (laughs) Uh Uh, So this is a question I'd like us to consider because our show is 1980s now. And we're talking, we're complaining a lot about now or or, or scared about now, I suppose, Mm. is whether or not this idea of, uh, I don't want to say instant gratification necessarily, but that's the phrase that kept coming to mind. I felt Mm -hmm. like that was something that I became more aware of in the 1980s. This idea that, uh, it's a technology like John was talking about with regard to the different advents going back to early media. Even go back to cave wall paintings, you know, where someone started dancing yep. and they're like, Oh no, now there's this, <laughs> this guy can talk or whatever. Um, but that in, in 19, so technology always is, is there to help make us more efficient. Mm-hmm. And maybe there's these other things that happen as a result, right? Because uh, I don't, I don't know that TikTok was, well, okay, let's start, let's focus, again, focus on the 1980s. So with, in the 1980s, I was thinking, you know, anything from, if we're, with regard to technology is, you know, microwaves, personal computers, home mm-hmm. video game consoles, VCRs, oh, cable yeah. television, uh, for example, you know, were advents in technology. Is that the right word? Advents? That sounds weird. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Walkman, like, 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 <laughs> um, we had, uh, you know, the introduction of, of, of 24 news cycles, 24 yeah. music yep. video cycles, 24 sports yep. cycles with MTV, CNN, and ESPN all started in the 1980s. Yeah. I, I'm wondering if to what extent uh, the media we consumed then and our experiences were a part of this trajectory that got us to the TikToks of today. What are your thoughts? Absolutely. think it, it can't be removed from that. It's just, it's part of a yeah. process. Well, from my background in broadcasting, one thing I know intimately about the 24 hour news cycle. And I guess by extension, the sports cycle and whatever else is that 
it absolutely lowered the bar for what qualifies as news. Mm. <laughs> right. So used to have a few hours of the day where you shared your news. I was say, like this show. <laughs> Much like this show. Oh no. Because of the need for content. And so, you know, it was like the you know, hour five of watching, you know, waiting for the, the smoke to come out to for a Pope or whatever. Right. Like you yes. had never live content waiting for a thing to happen. You might right. cut in when it happened. Sure. But now because you had to fill the entire day, if there wasn't something absolutely earth shattering, you had to escalate something to make it feel important enough. Yeah. Which yeah. ultimately lowered the bar on what qualified as newsworthy, noteworthy. Mm-hmm. And to draw the parallel to what we were talking about today, that continues to happen. It happened in the pandemic where no one would dare put a, a Zoom or Skype call on on, on network television. It, the quality was too low. But okay. during that time when there was no other option, they did it and found out that people kept watching. Yeah. So now the quality of what they'll accept is much lower. Yeah. Because we found that during a time when we were forced to do that, we found that, oh, we lowered our, our criteria and they didn't <laughs> tune out. And so there's this, there's this downward dumbification of what qualifies as entertainment as well, because if people watch it, let's try a little dumber. Oh, they watch that too. Let's smack myself with a frying pan. Oh, they, a thousand views on that. Let's try something dumber (laughs) as people will accept something that is less than the quality that used to be the, the bottom bar. Why push above that? If people continue to engage with what's sub, what we, what we consider subpar. So it's, yeah. it's human nature that's driving it. It's not the technology this time, to my point earlier. And I, and I guess while I would say that I don't, look, in the 1980s, we still had a bar and we still had mechanisms in place to look for better or for worse. There were gatekeepers of content and those yeah. were television, mm-hmm. you know, studio or, you know, television networks. The networks. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, but before that, there were the producers and the production companies and the casting mm-hmm. directors, it, mm-hmm. publishers for, for books, you know, or, or, or recording studios and labels for, for music. Mm-hmm. And look, there were problems with that. And in some, obviously the way things are democratized more today is, is better for a lot of reasons, except for what John's saying. Yeah. I think the race to the mm-hmm. bottom was, is, is our own doing because yeah, things like YouTube mm-hmm. allowed for anybody to make anything. I don't think oh, yeah. everybody should be creating. Some people should just have a diary and write shit down in the book and put it in a drawer. I don't need to know what you ate today. I'm tired of hate. All right. Jonathan, you know, your uncle started a podcast. Oh, did he? Wonderful. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> One more competing for listeners. And then it's, hey, hey, welcome to uh, John's uncle's podcast. Um, uh, I'm here with uh, little Bobby again. Hey, little Bobby, what, what, what'd you do this weekend? I went to the store and I got a, uh-huh. I got a, a sucker. A suck, I got yeah. a sucker. Oh, that's cool. A sucker. It was, it was a quarter. Mom said oh. no, but dad gave me a quarter. Uh, I don't, I don't really not sure what we should do this week as far as the topic goes. Um, I'm going to go zoo. We'll go zoo. After we're done, go zoo. Oh yeah. But what are we going to talk about during this actual podcast? Now we need some content uh, or show. Going, go, going um, to the zoo later. We can talk about the lions and the monkeys uh, and, and, and a bear. Um, our, our sponsor this week is Blue Chew. What? Oh, all right, no. all right. Real sponsors. Those are real sponsors. I take them. I take them. Uh, but I love yeah. how John just jumped right in there. <laughs> when I was going to s- <laughs> Of course he does. <laughs> so I don't, I don't think in the 80s we had the dumbification in that sense. We still had a high bar because we had these gatekeepers mm-hmm. in place as far as the quality yes. of things. But we were, the technology was serving it up to us in a way that we were more in control of having stuff on demand. Uh, additionally, we had more choices, which, you know, yes. probably leads into other things. But today, you know, the, the, what is it? The, the whole the old joke about like, you know, 300 channels was the Bruce Springsteen song and nothing on. <laughs> and nothing's on. Oh yeah, mm-hmm. absolutely. It, Cable. Yeah. Oh my gosh. <laughs> so yeah, I think yeah. at least to some extent, I'm agreeing with Kat. I know that we are unfortunately on this trajectory. I, I don't say we, we, we are, you know, unfortunately we're just passengers on this sort of journey because there's very little we can do to wrestle the reins from these folks who are driving, you know, <laughs> taking this plane to the side of a mountain. Dust, wind, dude. Yep. <laughs> but there's no way to, there's no way to pull out of it though. Yep. Really. If you think about it, it requires something new to come along to pull it out. Mm-hmm. The, art, the mm-hmm. article that you had, it, it paints it a bit dire. It's not the end of those things. There's a downward trend. It's not, there are no movies. Well, there are movies. 
Yeah. There are no new artists. Well, there are. There are. Not yeah. to the, certainly not to the extent that there was, not the quality, mm-hmm. certainly more, <laughs> more people relying on franchises and sequels to yes. guarantee that they have, you know, a, an established audience to go in, which is a further dumbification of original content. But it's not, it's not so dire as that this eliminates. It's that it's taking all so much of the air out of the room that it's stifling those other things. To your point mm-hmm. earlier, Will, you talked about buying a catalog, back catalogs of established artists. Mm-hmm. What percentage of their budget was that? Did, was that right. at the exclusion of these others or did they do that? And you know, we just don't know that, but I, I think it's fair to assume that it has diminished radically yeah. because mm-hmm. of- because of the other avenues and the other ways that wait for the cream to rise to the top and then invest in them. Don't, don't invest in an artist. Wait till they're popular and then sign them is what you can do now because they can, mm-hmm. you can, dis- you can invent yourself online and then get a record deal later. Yeah. It's yeah. the same thing with, with book publishers too. You know, we've heard so many stories of successful authors just first having a, a blog or something or writing fan fiction yeah. like Stephanie Meyer and then getting picked up by a publisher after they've self published for, you know, a while and proven it. Right. And After you've yeah. established and created yeah. a following, it was like, you do that work. Yeah. And then if you're successful, then we'll sign you. Yeah, that's yeah. problematic. You know, you think about my own book as I, as I gear up to, you know, try to get someone to publish it. One yeah. of the questions they ask you when you submit to a publisher is, what's your social media presence and how many followers do you mm-hmm. have? And what is your plan to market the book? Not huh. our plan. We're just going to put it on well, That's paper. your job. Yeah. Hmm. <laughs> so, I wrote it it. Yeah. You had to promote it, didn't it? Let's see. In the chat here, Brandon says, it's all about the instant gratification. Today's version of reading the back of a cereal box as a kid. <laughs> but the only difference yeah. is after the cereal, we went outside and played or did something else more mentally productive. Yeah. Well, yeah. I just had another bowl of cereal. <laughs> just another one. So I keep reading more cereal. Karen says, you're not consuming content while you're creating it. With the home oh, renovations yeah. I'm behind on, a lot of my content, including your vlog, John, hopefully oh. I'll be able to catch up. Yeah. <laughs> Good. Uh, yeah. And you know, we, we put, we put this out there before we came on the air. And there's a couple of interesting, I think points folks made on Facebook as well. And I wanted to bring up at least two of them. Lucy, oh, Lucy yes. suggested that yeah. this may have begun with children's programming of the children's programming of our youths because oh my gosh. I was thinking mm. in the 1980s, but you know, she mentions here, quote, Sesame street, electric company, zoom and MTV really fed into our generation's relatively quick attention spans compared mm-hmm. with our parents. And since mm-hmm. that was awesome, we've been trending that way since. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, seven eight, eight, nine, nine ten, ten, eleven, eleven twelve. twelve. <laughs> to me, I was almost write that off because the thing about uh, you, you, they develop content that would be suitable for a child, and I know they work with psychology, child, mm-hmm. psychology, you know, children, child psychologists to yep. do that, yeah. and that smor- shorter segments are probably better. But that yeah. almost then proves then how awful what we have today is. Oh, right. Like John's saying, <laughs> it's so low. Like this is for just we make this for ch- like infants. Toddlers. Can't we mature? (laughs) Well, and two, when you have short form content, you know what else you can't do? You can't present like points to reinforce or establish or something you're positing. All you can do is go, look at me, act a fool for 10 seconds. Click like, (laughs) right? You don't have time to, to go in depth on anything with content that's 60 seconds long. That's another problem that I experience. Keith uh, wrote, I don't mind quick fixes of entertainment as long as the content stimulates one's brain cells. See Neil, Neil deGrasse Tyson, for example. And I thought mm. this point was uh, even more interesting. To me, the more content we have available, the less intelligent we ha- as a society have become. That's kind of huh. close to that uh, cable yes. channel thing. Mm. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah. yeah. And, the, and so many people making content. So many. <laughs> yeah. It's not uh, being fine-tuned. It's not being edited or improved. By a team of people. It's just, yeah. that, That's a double-edged sword. Yeah. I mean, you said already, Will, it's nice to have this democratization of publishing. Mm-hmm. But with no gatekeeper, it means yeah. anybody can do anything. Yeah. <laughs> and the hope is that the, you know, the, you know, the best stuff will rise to the top. Right. But it doesn't always. No. Sometimes <laughs> the trendiest thing rises mm-hmm. to the top or the, mm-hmm. the least clad thing rises to the top. Maybe that's mm-hmm. what actually gets the attention rather than <laughs> something more thoughtful. So, oh, yo, yeah. the most provocative, oh, least clad thing you covered that, yeah. You know, it's funny. <laughs> my brain was working on figuring out what you meant by least clad. Oh. And it was only until I started to say mine that I was like, oh, that's what he meant. I was, I was trying to be me. very sensitive about it. I don't want to say boobs. So I said, I said me. least clad. It <laughs> took me a beat too. <laughs> I like the face John made when he said boobs. Boobs. His eyes are popping out of his head. I didn't have to work at that. That's how I say that word. I, I have to say, I felt 
After reading the uh, this article that you shared with us, yeah. I felt really bummed, <laughs> really, really bummed <laughs> yeah. and depressed <laughs> after reading it. But I, I mean, I feel a little bit better though now with us talking about it. It's just helping me process and um, not that I feel hopeful, but I do feel like, well, there are still some, there is still good stuff being produced by somebody. Mm-hmm. It's just, there's all this other junk that, that you have to slog through maybe to, to get to it. And you kind of reinforced my point. This was thoughtful discussion and debate yeah. about it that you can't do in the 60 second window. It's a different kind of, it's a more intellectual gratification, not that instant hit thing. Uh, and that, that, that can, that has value too. It's just harder to get an audience for as you know, we all know. So I guess, you know, the final, you, you sort of, I don't know, maybe alluded to this earlier, maybe not, maybe didn't. How does what we do fit into that? Ooh. I mean, I think for me, for the show, I, I'm, I, I've been fighting putting stuff on TikTok, I think, because intuitively I mm-hmm. feel like there's something off about that thing. <laughs> YouTube, even with the shorts and the reels, and you know how yeah. it is. John knows this better than I do. You need yeah. these things to rise above like he's talking about. And John's got great content, so you want him to rise above. Oh, yeah. But I, it feels gross to me. Like I mm-hmm. like I post yeah. clips from our show. Yeah. Those are longer pieces, you know, and have a beginning, middle and end. That's all. Right. Well, the problem, Will, is is systemic. It's yeah. you and I can try to fight against, you know, well, my content is too, you know, too whatever to, to be chopped up in little pieces like that. Sure. Mm-hmm. The problem is the platforms that we exist on reward people that do those things. And though there is no evidence that people who watch your short content will then carry over and transform into long form watchers. Yeah. There is evidence that if you do not create short form, you can diminish your long form audience simply because the platform does not prioritize you because you're not creating what's most profitable for them. Yeah. So it's this, it's like, I don't want to do it because it doesn't give me anything, but if I don't do it, I might lose something is the problem. And it's, yeah, that's, that's the real conundrum that, that creators if all spaces are in right now. It's like, well, I got to do the quick hit stuff or I will get ignored because that's where everybody is dumping the majority of their content and the majority of their eyeballs to your point earlier. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, and you're right. And, and Ted Joya points out in his piece how these algorithms, you know, they dictate that you create the short form content that they want, which they know they're mm-hmm. going to leverage by getting you addicted and mm-hmm. so on and so forth. I don't know that anybody's used the word addicted in, in, a, in a boardroom at one of these at YouTube, but uh, well. we know what they're doing. <laughs> but but it's implied. Mm-hmm. Oh, All right. Hey, let's right. give somebody- They call a, it engagement. Yes. Let's give somebody a burst of dopamine right now and give away this- Give away this giant size uh, Funko Pop uh, Deadpool. Deadpool dopamine. I don't know. All right. Hey, hashtag Kokomo in the comments if you'd like your chance to get this Deadpool over to you, courtesy of Kokomo Toys and Collectibles. I didn't know they made them that big. (laughs) I didn't either. Kokomo Toys is awesome. Well, I feel like I haven't thanked them enough this episode. What's up, John? Oh, I see. I I know. Now, brain, I'm, I'm, I'm working in delay. But I'm catching up though. <laughs> I'm in both times. President of the eyeballs. That, that was my boobs face. We're gonna isolate. <laughs> we're gonna isolate that, John. Thank you. And whenever we play, this is what's gonna. What one of us is gonna say before that. Hey, take a look at this. Give it to Brandon. Put a little bonnet on it and it could be a doll. Who wanted it? Brandon wanted it, right? Yeah, Brandon wanted it. All right. Congratulations, yeah, man, Brandon Karen. wanted it. All right. Hey, that was Congrats. our show. And our show is brought to you thanks in part to our early adopters like Karen Flieger and Rick Parker. <laughs> thank you for joining us tonight, both of you. And thank you especially to our Secret of Our Success Level Patreon supporters, mm-hmm. Marcus Taylor. Tony Great, Nick Guillory, Craig Coletta, Matt Marino, John Henderson, and Brandon Greer. Excellent. And we want to welcome back to the fold our good friend, Brad Bowman. (gasps) Brad! Yay! Thanks, Brad. Brad, we appreciate you coming back to join us. Of course, 
Brad had been a was a long timer supporter of the show. And that's yep. fine. Hey, if you need All to duck right. out and come back or not come back, that's cool. Uh, we appreciate it. We appreciate those folks that are able to contribute every month to the production of this uh, show by giving us a dollar or two or three or four or more. And uh, look, you can too. You can go to uh, 1980snow.com slash support. There's a bunch of ways you can give us money <laughs> or, or do something for free. <laughs> You don't have to give us one. You're in luck. There's so many ways. Yes. <laughs> write a check to cash. Just write it. Make it out to cash. Oh, I thought you were going to say cat. No, not cat. cash. Oh, cash. Uh, right. Or you don't put a value on it. We'll fill it in when it gets here. We'll mm -hmm. put a value. Don't worry. Yeah. Uh, or you could just uh, make a comment on Facebook, uh, YouTube, uh, Twitter. Follow us on those places too. Those are not Twitter. Uh, I don't really do anything on Twitter. Oh, yeah. Uh, but Facebook's real important. In fact, please, so if you haven't subscribed to us on or follow us on Facebook, because it'd be great mm -hmm. to the more. You, again, how many followers do you have? Plays such a mm -hmm. role. It's so silly. It does you know? Yep. Not necessarily reflects the content or who listens to the podcast. But they don't know that, so they, they don't care. Right. That's right. Anyway, uh, you can also just make yeah. a comment like this one from John. Uh, John writes, uh, Gen X Grown Up and 1980s Now podcast are making people have questions about me. Midwest. <laughs> <laughs> I know. I was like, what is this? Midwest winter means hats or a hood, and you can't see the earbuds while I'm walking the dog. I'm often laughing like a fool. And people don't know what to think. <laughs> luckily, there are, luckily, there's not as many people out in the cold and the dog doesn't care. <laughs> dog doesn't care. I love Excellent. that. Thanks, yes. John. We appreciate that. Yes. Uh, let's see. I love when we can make people look crazy. Yeah. <laughs> hey, we got this uh, other uh, message uh, from Tom. He writes, uh, hey, or hi, rather, Will, Kat, and John. I just listened to your recent podcast where you discussed film trailers and Will and John's disdain for trailers. They give away too many spoilers. I guess Kat, Kat ah. didn't have it. Kat was like, I don't care. She's, yeah. I'll watch One quirk I have is that I always had is that I like spoilers. They don't ruin the film for me at all. When I watch a film or a series with my wife, I always take out my phone, not in theaters, and look up Ooh. information about whatever we're watching. Very, very <laughs> different from you two. <laughs> yeah, right? Wow. Yeah, I think that... Um, <laughs> I don't know. Look, I, I appreciate Tom's comment here, but that would drive me yeah. crazy. Now I got to be honest with you though. I am that guy. I am that guy. Now, if I'm sitting on the couch with Tom, I'm like, come on, Tom. Will you just watch the movie? But that said, when I'm not sitting on the couch with Tom, I'm that guy. Oh no. And I, really? I drive my family crazy. And a lot of it, it maybe you guys do this. Cat pie doesn't it. Maybe John does. Is IMDB. Uh, where is this guy from? I know this oh. guy from something. Hang on. Yeah. And then I announce it. Yeah. Oh. It's distracting. It's like you yes. have to know because otherwise you're wasting brain cycles yes. trying to figure it out instead of watching. Yeah. That yeah. happened to me the other night. It's like, who is he? Who yeah. is he? Who is he? And I had to, yeah, I had to look it up. And then I announce it. Oh, you know what he's from? You guys, you know what he's from? And they know. Yeah. And, and the answer is never worth it. Yeah. Like no, all no. the hassle. It's never like, oh, he was in law and order. No. <laughs> like everybody else, right? It's, like, it's never satisfying. It's never like, holy crap, he was that guy. It rarely happens. All right. Hey, thank you guys for uh, joining us here. Uh, and we will, if you did it, that's fine too. Uh, regardless, you listen. So, and you will listen again because we will talk to you again next time on 1980s Now. Until next time. We, we go to zoo now. 